welcome to Morning Coffee with Jesus. I'm Rebecca and this is my husband, Jason. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the biggest things in life. So stay tuned for today's message. So we're talking about the biggest things in life. And it all started really this morning when my daughter was standing outside of my car because we're getting ready to go to church. And she asked me to come and look at her reflection. And she's like, look. So she was standing really, really close to the car like because she was about to get in. And she's like, look, the closer I am to the car, the smaller I am. Have you ever seen those fun mirrors like at um, you know, a carnival or something like that? And it kind of distorts and makes your body look longer, shorter, taller, all those weird things. Well, she's looking at herself in the side of the car and she's like, look, I look so short. And then she took a couple steps backwards and she was like, look, the further I get back, the bigger I am. And it like sunk inside of me so big. And I was like, oh my gosh, Kylie, I love that. And God just kind of, he, he's so humorous because he will just give you things in small moments of life to where you're like, wow, thank you Lord for that. But today we're talking about the biggest things in life. And what I want to point out based off of what the Lord gave me this morning is a lot of times we will look at something that's right in front of us and it appears so big. Yeah. You may have problems going on in your life and they just seem so big to overcome and you don't know what to do in that next step. Mm -hmm. But the further we get away from a problem, what happens? that problem seems smaller, right? Yeah. So let's say it's finances, right? And you look at your bank account and you look at your bills and to you it may seem like a mountain. It may seem so big and you're like, I don't know how we're ever going to get ahead. I don't know how we're ever gonna pay everything off and do all of this. But the more that you begin to pay off one bill, you begin to pay off another debt, what happens? You're getting further away from that financial problem, right? Yeah. Because now you're seeing victory. So the problem begins to shrink. Why? Because you're getting further away from it. Well, I want you to look at it from this perspective this morning. The further away we are from God, the bigger we tend to become. Mm -hmm. Meaning we have to put ourselves in a high position of yes. we've got to pay our bills, we've got to supply for the family, we've got to keep our mental state good, we've got to keep our composure. And it applies so much pressure to you that your problems become magnified, that you begin to become magnified, mm -hmm. maybe your spouse, it could cause problems in your relationships as well because we are set apart from God and we are saying, we're over here, God's over there. And so God seems small to us and we are bigger. That's awesome. But the closer we come to God, what happens then? The roles are flipped. Now God becomes biggest in our life and we become smallest. And why is that important? Well, I want you to think of it this way. When we are relying on our self to do everything, you get frustrated. You can snap on people in a matter of seconds yeah. because there's so much 
burden that you're carrying. And the word of God tells us that we are supposed to cast our cares on him. We're not supposed to carry that load. We're not supposed to carry those burdens. And so this morning, we are going to look at it from a perspective of what is biggest in my life? Is my problem the biggest or is God the biggest? Do you want to take on something there? Oh, I I think it's totally awesome, right? Because that's exactly where, that's exactly what I heard, right? Is when we get farther away from him and farther away from the relationship, right? And the the Holy Spirit, you're right. We do take on a larger role. We become a bigger part in trying to find success right? in in the natural. And so this is how, as we begin to drift away from him and not continuously like round out and like, and make that relationship with him finite, then we do become bigger in the failure and the success of what happens in this natural world. Yeah. So this morning, again, we're reflecting on what is biggest in our life. Mm -hmm. What is, What do we rely on? What do we put the most emphasis on? Is it things that we can see, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, just like a natural mountain, right? If you've ever driven somewhere, maybe you're in Colorado or New Mexico or somewhere where there's a ton of mountains, right? And when you first start coming in to that state or where those mountains are, they're far off in the distance and they seem small and you're like, Oh look, that's so cool. But the closer you come in to them, the moment you are standing right there at Mm -hmm. the base of the mountain and you're looking up and thinking, Oh man, we got to go to the top. Now things have shifted. What once seemed small now seems big because you are the closest you can get to it. Well, Think about it. What are we looking up at? What are we trying to obtain? Because everybody's in a different place in life. Everyone has different, um, you know, finances. Everyone has different emotional states. We're all created unique, which is wonderful. But each one of us are at a different place in life. And so your mountain may look different to the person sitting right beside you or to the person across from you. We want you to understand that God is a God that personalizes things for you. He's not just, oh, you know, cookie cutter. This is how it is for everybody. He knows that you are created unique and special. And so he has designed a plan specific for you. Not just, well, that worked for that person, so it's going to work exactly the same for you. He's got a special plan just for you. And I think it's so cool because we think of, you know, architects, they have blueprints. Every house is supposed to be designed specific to the person that wants the house built, right? If you look at, um, you know, large communities, what they end up doing is they'll take one house And they have like so many different floor plans, right? But within this block, they're all kind of the same. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> They'll be like this house yeah. is the same. And if you go across the street here, that house is going to be exactly the same. It mm-hmm. may be flipped in the design because they're on the opposite side. But it's the same. Well, God is not saying, look, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have time to 
specially design your plan. So we're going to do this house and then this is the same for you. No, no, no. God says, no, what do you want specifically? Right? Sometimes we don't ask ourselves, what do we want? And it can be a matter of just taking time to sit down with you by yourself to just talk to God and say, let's draw out some plans. And no, I'm not just meaning a house, okay? If you need a house, that's good. Lay out those plans. But it can be any area of your life. Lay it out, but be specific in detail. Otherwise, if you just say, I want a new car. Well, he can give you a smart car. Well, let's say you're a truck person. They're like, oh, great, I got a new car, but that's not what I wanted. Specific, very detailed. God is detailed, so we should be detailed in every area of our life. But the scripture that I want to go to is I want to go to James 4. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now we're going to break this down just a little bit here. Humble yourself before God, meaning let's put God first. Let's put him as the one that is the closest to us, not the problem, right? And then what's happening is when we are able to humble ourselves before God, then we're able to what? Resist the devil. And as we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Now, why is this so important? Because it is reminding us in the next part here, Come close to God, meaning we have a part to play. Yes, God wants good in your life. Yes, he wants to have fellowship with you, but he's not going to break down your door and say, you are going to spend time with me. Right? Right? I mean, think about it. If before Jason and I got married, if he would have came beating down my door saying, you're going to date me, I'd be like, you need to go away because this isn't going to work. You're kind of creepy. But that's not what happened. He pursued me, but he pursued me in a way of love, in a way of respect, in a way that said, I would like to spend time with you. Well, that's what God does with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. So he's telling us, come close to me, right? He's there waiting. Were you there waiting? I was there waiting. Yeah, so he asked me, right, hey, you want to go out? And I had to come on the date with him, right? He wasn't grabbing me, pulling me. He's like, hey, if you want to go out, let's go out. If you don't, well, then you don't. (laughs) But we have a choice to play just like in a relationship. We have a relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father. It's not something that he forces. He's not making you do anything you don't want to do. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Just, I'm telling you it's awesome. It really is. You you say something. Well, it's, you know, I, I just keep thinking about as we, he's the scripture there where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just like you said, right? In the natural, right? I can draw as close as I want to you, right? But unless you draw near to me, yeah, then that's all there is. That's and right. so with him sitting there waiting, saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. Like I'm as close to you as I can be. Yeah. Right? But in order for this relationship to go to the next level, right? In order for revelation knowledge to happen, in order for you to understand my will for you, right? 
you have to draw near to me is what he's saying right, right? And, and and you know that's it's funny right because i've been studying um about the experience of god and it's all about a relationship mm-hmm. that's really what it is yeah and drawing near to him right doesn't have to be this like strict policy this like you know step by step you know what i mean yeah, right. where if you don't do it in this order it's not going to happen it's just like we're talking to you and to each other right now. That's how you draw closer to God. Yeah. You just talk to him. You know, as you were saying that, I heard that um, the relationship that God wants with us, he doesn't want it to be one-sided. Yeah. Like you were saying, you know, you can draw as close to me as possible, but there has to be the other person drawing close as well. The reciprocation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because if not, if we're not drawing close to the one who's drawing close to us, then right there there's a wall that's built up. Yeah. And you can't go any further. Well, it can go the same way with the enemy as well. Because he will also try and get close and personal with you. Yeah. He wants to rub those elbows with you. Sure. He wants to say, yeah, come over here. Let's get away from God. Let's yeah. do this thing together. And we have a choice then and there. Who are we drawing close to? Yeah. Are we drawing closer to God or are we drawing closer to the enemy? Are we drawing closer to the problem or are we drawing closer to the solution? Yep. And I, I really like to, because in the King James, right, above verse seven through 10, right? It kind of gives you a caption of what you're about to read. And it says, humility cures worldliness, mm. right? The enemy is of this world, yep. right? Yep. And so he's trying to what? Keep our focus on the things of the natural, of the world, right? And so yeah. just like you were talking about where if you don't have that relationship with God, if you're not drawing close to him, if you're not talking to him, which... You, Pastor Rick, your dad is the first person who I've ever heard use this analogy, and like it's so true. As we draw close to him, right, it's the same as if you were in another room, right? Oh, yes. With several yes. people, mm-hmm. right? And there were several people that were talking. Yeah. I could be in another room and not physically see the people in that room. Yeah. But I would know immediately when you were talking. Right. Right? Why? Because we spend time together, right? We know each other, mm-hmm. right? And so it's the same with God. When we're spending time with him, as we're just sharing with him, as we're just talking to him, right? Um, it's not necessarily complaining, but it's just like saying, God, these are the things that are going on with me right now, you know? Pray for wisdom. Pray for yeah. knowledge. Pray for his revealed knowledge, right? And the more time you spend in his word, the more time you know what his will is for you, right? And so then you can start what? Calling things that be not as though they were, right? Absolutely. Say, God, this is trying to happen in my life, and I'm going to stand against it. I'm rebuking this in the name of Jesus, right? And I thank you for the strength and the courage. And then you just start having those conversations. Well, as you begin to draw close to him, you begin to get used to his voice. You begin to hear him, right? Maybe not audibly, right? Some people have. I'm not saying that I've never heard him audibly, but you begin to hear that, that, that still small voice inside you, which is that helpmate, the Holy Spirit that he's given for us to communicate to each other. Yeah. And so... As you begin to build your relationship with him, right? Humble yourself, as we just read, right? When you do that, then you open yourself up to experience him. Right. And so when he's talking to you and when he's speaking to you, right? All of a sudden, 
you become a lot smaller in the equation and he becomes a lot bigger in the equation. And that's why we're talking about this this morning. Like I said, when the Lord (laughs) had, I really believe had her say those words in those moments and drop that in my spirit, it was just like, oh, wow, that's such a a great and simple way to explain what we're looking at and how we value what is the biggest thing in our life. Mm -hmm. But in the rest of that verse, I want to continue reading that where it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. But not only that, he says, wash your hands. Now, I think this is interesting because um, we do so much with our hands. Mm -hmm. We give, right? We extend our hands to people. We can do things we can pick up things we can do so much with our hands and the word talks about us being his hands and his feet right we're the body of christ each Mm -hmm. one of us has a place to play in the body and so when he's saying wash your hands meaning get your hands prepared and ready for what you're about to do yeah think about it that's good if your hands are dirty and you're about to go in and perform a surgery on someone, what are we possibly doing to that person? Harming them because you can contaminate them. You can put things in their body that can cause infection and hurt them. And so God is saying, wash your hands, get them prepared and ready for what you're about to move into. Mm -hmm. So when things... And I say, it's time to go or it's time to do this. You're already prepared. You've already washed your hands and you're saying, all right, Lord, let's do this thing. Yeah, being ready in season. Absolutely, in season and out. Right, right. It doesn't matter what it is. You're prepared. Amen. The next part of this verse tells us, um, purify your hearts. Well, what? I mean, Mm -hmm. the word tells us so much about our heart, but think about our heart. Um, in your physical body, your heart is crucial, right? It is your lifeline, so to speak. Because when your heart stops beating, guess what? That's the end here on this earth, right? Yep. And so we have to maintain a good, healthy heart, right? They talk about, you know, heart healthy meals and, you know, exercise to keep yeah. your heart good. Why? Because it's flowing blood and helping the rest of your body to be able to keep going. Well, here he's telling us to purify your heart. Now, again, it's good to keep a good physical body so you can live longer, but it's also your heart is referring to your spirit, your inner man. When our spirit is weak, we are not going to be able to withstand the enemy. We're not going to be able to have ourselves closest to God because our spirit, which needs to have him working in and through us, then we are going to have a weak, I don't want to say weak spirit, but we are going to feel weak and depleted Mm -hmm. because we don't have the word of God sustaining us, keeping that healthy heart, like, right? In your physical body, you need a healthy heart. Well, you also have to have a healthy spirit. So he's saying purify your heart because the word tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we have a contaminated heart, a contaminated spirit, if we're putting the wrong things in us, the wrong things are coming out of our mouth. And so what are we doing? We're producing things in our life that we don't want. And a lot of times people don't, 
pinpoint the root of the problem yeah. because one, they're at the base of that problem looking up at it and saying, yeah. oh my gosh, there's no way over this mountain. And it's because they don't have that firm foundation in the word of God to where they're standing at the base of his feet and looking up at him saying, you're greater than the problem. You are bigger than me. So I know that you're able to help me overcome. And so you're able to follow his lead because you see how big and how great he is. That is great. That's awesome. And you know, what I was also hearing too, right? What you were talking about, not necessarily being weak, having a weak spirit, Right. right? But how do you, how do you, Look at your natural body, right? How do you get strength in your body? Exercise. Exercise, right? You need some water. Oh, yeah, you need water. Right? You need some fuel. You need <laughs> some food of some yeah, kind, yeah. right? The Holy Spirit needs those things, too. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we build ourselves up? How do, how do, how do we get ourselves prepared for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? Right. we got to spend time in His Word. Mm-hmm. That's part of drawing close to him. Yeah. Spending time in his word, right? Feeding that Holy Spirit with that fuel, right? Mm -hmm. To say when the time comes and we talked about how Satan is going to attack your mind, right? That's how he's going to, that's how he's going to operate in this world. He's going to attack your thoughts. Because we have, I think it's, we have over 3,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a big thing to try and come against. And so that's what he's going to, that's where he's going to come, right? And then when you talk about the, the, the the armor right yeah in Ephesians you talk about the fiery darts that he's shooting out at you mm-hmm. right you got to have the full armor of God you have to you have to be prepared mentally physically and spiritually right and you have to what you have to cast down that thought and that argument right yeah. until it what lines up with the obedience of Christ is what the word says for it to line up with the obedience of Christ and and what his word says, when the thought comes in, yeah. this is why God has made us so wonderfully, right? And so beautifully, he has given us this. And just like back in, right, in Genesis, in the very beginning of time, right? God called something that to be into existence. Right. It was darkness, right? And he's like, well, I don't, we don't need darkness, we need to see. He called himself light, right? Mm-hmm. God is light. He called himself into existence. Amen? And so when he spoke that out, that authority said, light be. Right? So when the enemy comes to attack your mind and your thoughts, if we're not close to him, if we haven't already heard, right? We haven't already heard from him and we don't have this inside of us, which is his word. Yeah. Right? Which will contradict anything the enemy comes to attack your mind with. Then what comes out of our mouth is what comes to life. Yeah. Yeah, we activate our words. Yep. Right? So as you say it, that's what happens. And a lot of people don't, they're not mindful of what comes out of their mouth. And hey, I'm guilty. We've all done it. So where you get on autopilot and you say something and you're like, oop, guess I shouldn't have said that. You find out real quick what you say that you shouldn't say when you're around little kids because they like to repeat you. And you're like, do I really say that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it may not be anything like what we would say bad, right? But are those confessions what we want in our future, right? Right. Well, and, and even so, right, just like you said, is um, nobody's arrived, right? We're not, none of us are perfect. We don't claim to be. But so many times 
like even though we know yeah that like if i say this this is what's going to happen right the natural could be so strong that you say it anyways mm-hmm. right you just boom it just comes out that's why you got it's important right to spend that time and to push those things out right those thoughts yeah. are not my thoughts when those thoughts are not your thoughts those thoughts don't manifest into authority coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, and two, you know, think about it. Just because it comes out of your mouth doesn't mean you have to take ownership for it. Sure. Meaning the moment that it comes out in your spirit, you should get a check of, ooh, that didn't set well, or ooh, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound right, or oh, no, I don't want that to happen. Immediately, we need to change the words that we just said and come against. Basically, we're pulling up those roots that are trying to form and yeah. saying, uh-uh, no, 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 I don't want that to grow in my garden. Yep. We're no. going to get rid of it right now. We're going to pull that bad boy up because yeah, <laughs> it's not going to stay here. So don't get into condemnation because that's what the enemy will try and do and be like, oh, you already lost it. You've already went downhill, so might as well continue on down this path because that's where the enemy took me when I was a teenager to where... I would mess up or I would do something that, you know, the the Lord would convict me and say, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. But then the enemy on the other side was saying, well, see, you've already messed up. You're not worthy. You know, God, yeah. you know, he can't help you here because, you know, you're already a failure. You've already missed it. And so he was trying to get me to align my words up with him and say, okay, well, I might as well keep doing, you know, what I'm doing because... Here we are. Now, I didn't ever drink alcohol or anything like that, but his story is way different than mine. (laughs) But what I'm getting at is let's say I had drank a drink, right? To kind of put in perspective of how the enemy would play with my mind. It was if I would have taken a drink, the enemy would have said, well, you've already messed up, Mm -hmm. so go ahead and finish the bottle, and then you can ask for forgiveness. And that's where... It can take you down a really dark path because you're like, you're right. You know, you start believing what he's saying to you. And we've got to get back to the base of Jesus' feet to where we're saying, no, that goes against what God's word has told me to do. He says that he loves me, that he forgives me, that Mm -hmm. he's there for me, that he's not leaving me, that he's not forsaking me. So yeah, I may have missed it at this moment, but I'm not going to continue on this path Mm -hmm. any longer. I'm going to make that quick U-turn and get back on the right track before I start taking all these crazy detours and it takes me an hour to get back to the main highway, right? Have y'all ever been there? Hmm. You got it. The enemy will do that, right? He will try to, he will try to make you own your mistakes. Yeah. Right. He will try to make you and make take, you feel guilty in the help, process. Yeah. You, he he tries to make you take ownership of that. When you take ownership of something, that's who you, that's how you identify yourself, right? Yeah. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you think of that, right? Mm-hmm. The awesome thing is, is Jesus. God loves us so much, right? He gave Jesus for us. Yeah. So that all those things could be removed from who we are, yeah. right? That's not our character. The Word of God tells us that we are made in His image. That's right. Right? If we're made in His image, mm-hmm. right, then the mistakes that we make on this earth, that's not who we are. Right. That just means we miss the mark. Yep. You know what? And Jesus is like, so what? Who cares? You know, most of the time whenever we sit back and we try to, the enemy will try to reminisce our minds on, man, I, I did this. Yeah. Man, I did that. You know, there's been times where 
I've been driving and I've just been praying and a, a thought will come into my head of, man, you did this person wrong, you know? Um, and I immediately, right? I immediately take authority over that. You know what? I've already asked God to, I've already asked him to forgive me of that. Yeah. That's no longer on my record. Right? When he sees me, he doesn't see that I did that. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. That's just how the enemy works. And, yeah. and again, right? The enemy wants you to be bigger in the solution. Yeah. So that God is smaller yep. in your next steps. That's the way he wants it to work. Yeah. Right? Why? Because then you begin to doubt. Mm-hmm. When you begin to doubt yourself, you begin to doubt the things that you know. Yeah. We spend so much time in the word when you learn what the word says, if the enemy can make you doubt yourself, then he could put that plant that seed to make you doubt the word. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, it didn't happen exactly like you thought it would happen. Right. Right? And so this is why it's so awesome that it's humble yourself. Yeah. Right? Give yourself to him. Right? Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Once you're you're focused on those kind of things, when the enemy comes up, you can laugh. You can be right. like, "That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me." Right? The Word of God says that that's not who I am. Yeah. Yes, I might have made that mistake, but that doesn't define who I am when people see me. Amen. Mm-hmm. When you get to that place and you can you can fully understand that, that's whenever the light starts to shine. That's when the joy of God comes out of you, and, and it's just it's just so much better. Yeah, you know, and that's why we have to read the word too, because as we read the word, it reaffirms what his word says, yeah. right? So you can read it one time, and that's good. Yeah. But it's a constant thing that we have to be doing. So, like, we'll use uh, since we're married. Um, we will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, if Jason only told me he loved me when we got married. Right? So we had our wedding and he told me he loved me. And then we've been married now 13 years. And if he had never said, I love you for those 13 years, what's going to happen in my mind? I'm going to question, no matter if he's demonstrating love, like, you know, doing things that would, you know, suggest love or whatever. But if I don't hear those words come out of his mouth, it would cause my mind to think, does he love me? Mm-hmm. Do you love me? I do I mean, love you. I love you so much. I love much. you too. But our point here is it has to be something that you're saying, that you're doing, that you're hearing constantly. So, yeah, you may read a scripture. You may read the Bible all the way through one time, and you can check that off your list. Sure. But it's important to listen, to read it over and over again, because as you do, it's like hearing, I love you. I love you. I love you over yeah. and over again. So every day you're hearing that he loves you. And so when the enemy does try and come against you, you can be like, no, he loves me. Mm-hmm. He told me he loves me. Right? So every day when he tells me he loves me, I'm like, you do love me. Right? Before he leaves for work, what's happening? He's coming and kissing me and telling me he loves me and he'll see me later that, that evening. Right? Mm-hmm. Does he have to do that? No, but he wants to do those things. Why? Because he wants me to know that he loves me. Same thing with me. I have to tell him, I love you. Because if I don't, again, it can cause him to say, well, 
You know, I haven't heard you say you love me in a long time. What's going on here, right? (laughs) So constantly getting into his word so we can remind ourselves that God's word says this, that God's word says that. And it just is, it's a confidence builder. It keeps you in the right mindset to where we can resist the enemy, to where we are looking up at him instead of looking up at our problem or even ourselves, right? Yep. The next verse that I want to read here, we're going to read it in two different translations. Um, Matthew six twenty four in the New Living Translation says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. Mm-hmm. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now we're going to read this in the message. It says, You can't worship two gods at once. That's right. Loving one God will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. That's right. Now, think about this. You cannot serve two gods. You cannot worship two gods, right? So we're either worshiping our problem, lifting it up, constantly talking about it, right? Because what we talk about the most is what we value. It's what we treasure. Mm -hmm. It's what we are saying constantly. So that's what's producing, right? So if we are trying to do that, in a sense, we are serving what? The wrong thing. We're serving the problem instead of serving God. Now, let's put this into perspective here because when we think of serving, we can all have a different interpretation of serving. But the word tells us that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. That's right. Right? So we have him as our example. So if he didn't come here for others to serve him, he came to serve, right? Meaning we're supposed to do the same thing. Serving, meaning giving our time, giving our attention to God. Now, again, it's not in a, you know, a religious thing or I've got to spend, you know, this amount of time yeah. and this certain time of the day. Yeah. Worship looks different in different seasons of life, mm-hmm. right? Worship can be praying. Worship can be um, lifting your hands. It could be singing. It could be praying. Um, so there's different types of worship, right? There's different types of ways to serve. Think of, you know, in your community. There's different ways to serve in a community, right? You can, you know, help people. You can feed. You can um, clean up things. You can, you know, counsel. So there's so many different ways of serving, right? Yeah. But it's what are we serving? How are we serving? Are we serving God or are we serving mammon or money or the problem or what's going on Amen. in your situation? So don't get fixated on the part where it's saying, you know, you can't serve God in money because this is a whole nother topic. So we're not going to get into all that, but it's not saying money is 
bad, it's saying serving money is bad, right? Serving other things beside God is bad. It doesn't mean that you can't have money. It doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with somebody. It doesn't mean you can't have success. It just means you cannot let that be the biggest thing in your life. That cannot be what you are the closest to because the closer you are to that thing, the further you are away from God and the bigger you are instead of God being the biggest thing in your life, which is what we're talking about this morning. We want God to be the biggest part of your life to where no matter what problem, what thing is going on in your life, God is always bigger than the problem. He's always our solution. He's always our go-to. We're standing at his feet, looking up, saying, God, you are bigger than this. And because of that, I have full confidence that we will overcome this situation. Praise God. We want to we want to say that we love you guys. We do. And if you ever have any prayer requests, if you ever need to talk to someone, um, we have a prayer team on staff that would love to intercede and help you. We have events going to be coming up soon. We're going to be doing a worship night. Um, I'm still in the process of working out details for that. So stay tuned for all of the things coming up here locally. Um, We will do live streams as well for different events as well. But we want you to know we love you. God loves you. And you're never too young or too old to fulfill the call. Bye, you guys. We would like to invite you to follow Morning Coffee with Jesus podcast for your cup of encouragement. We also want to thank our friends and partners for helping us spread God's word around the world. If you would like to give or become a partner with the ministry, you can scan the QR code or visit morningcoffeewithjesus.com and click donate. When you give, we are able to tell more people about Jesus, help in our community, and give back into other ministries. If you have a prayer request or would like to stay connected, you can visit morningcoffeewithjesus.com slash stay connected.